The Coca-Cola Company, Cured Dr. Pepper, and PepsiCo are bringing consumers more choices with less sugar than ever before. From sparkling, flavored, and bottled waters to zero-sugar sports drinks, teas, and sodas, consumers are taking advantage of these choices. In fact, nearly 60% of beverages sold contain zero sugar. To learn more, visit balanceus.org. Hey guys, and welcome to Happy Sag Confused. Welcome to another fresh steaming podcast for your ears. I'm Josh Horowitz, and with me as always is Sammy. Hey, Sammy. Hi. Should we say your last name? Do you want your last name known to the world? Yeah. Sammy Machoshavas. <laughs> Sammy Heller for the Sammy record. Obama. What? <laughs> I don't know why. Um, uh, welcome back to the podcast, guys. Um, thanks for being with us as always. This is where I talk to filmmakers and actors and comedians and Sammy as well. <laughs> and you. Uh, this week on the show uh, is a really. Uh, uh, a really great actor, a guy that um, maybe you don't know by name, but he's somebody that you should know by name and will know by name if uh, you don't already. His name is Mahershala Ali, and he is, uh, to use the cliche, having a moment. He in, is. In, he absolutely is in both film and TV. Um, early in the year, he was uh, in Free State of Jones, that Matthew McConaughey film. But more importantly, even in, right now, he is uh, – on Netflix as Cottonmouth, the bad guy in Luke Cage, a show that I'm really digging right now. I'm, about, I'm not quite halfway through, but I'm really enjoying it. And he's amazing in that. And he's also truly amazing in something that probably 99% of you haven't seen yet, but you should see. It's opening October 21st. It's a film called Moonlight. We talk about it at length in this one. I've mentioned it earlier on an earlier podcast because I saw it at Toronto. And um, Humble brag. I wasn't. I'm just giving context. <laughs> got it, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> okay, so Moonlight, just for some context, and we talk about it a little in the in the outside of the interview. I want to give people sort of an idea of what, what this film is. It's a, it's a, it's a smaller film um, with not a ton of big names in it. I'm really selling it well, right? But it's, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's excellent. It's basically about uh, a, a young African-American kid li- uh, growing up in Miami um, who is gay and who's kind of just figuring out his place in the world and figuring out, you know, he's, he's persecuted a bit and he's not finding the community that he wants and needs and he's also just searching for love um, and it's it's a really beautifully told uh, story filled with exceptional performances and uh, I said this to Mahershal in the, in the conversation it's one of those things where I walked out of the film and I was like Mahershal Ali who I, I don't think I even knew by name at the time but that actor who I've seen in a thousand things uh was so good in that movie. I hope he gets awards recognition, and I have a feeling he will be. I think he's going to be in the Oscar race. And, wow! Uh, so I'm excited that we had him on at this moment before all the crazy red carpets to come. You didn't even mention the one thing I know him House mainly of cards? from. Yes. Hoc. Yes, he's Remy in House of Cards. Of course. Yeah, yeah. He's had a a lot of interesting roles in his career. We talk, uh, his film debut was in The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Oh. He was in The Place Beyond the Pines, the great Derek C. and Franz movie. He was in the last two Mockingjay movies. Um, So he's been around. He's Mm. one of those guys that you will definitely recognize if you look him up. You'll be like, oh, yeah, that guy. Um, Love that guy. Love that guy. And um, 
this is a, a very uh, thoughtful, interesting guy um, who, you know, it's, it's always exciting to see somebody kind of come into their own and uh, get the opportunities that they deserve. So I, I'm really happy that he was able to come by the podcast studio. And I think you guys are going to dig this conversation. Um, beyond that, what else to catch you guys up on? There's exciting things happening what, this what's week. Exci- what's happening this week? Nothing that you're going to let me talk about, but things that people should. Oh, you get. mean other podcasts that we're taping? What? What are you talking Something about? Something that you're filming this week? What am I shooting? Oh, I'm shooting a sketch. Yeah. There's a good after hours. Okay. All goes according to plan. Um, do you know your name? <laughs> do you know where you are right now? Give me my meds, Sammy. <laughs> I'm, I just got really nervous. <laughs> me too. Um, well, you just here's what you, you teed up something, as you said, that we can't talk about. So now what? I just want to tell everybody to drove stay us into a corner. tuned. <laughs> I want, I'm going to say stay tuned, and I want you to reaffirm that there's exciting yes. news. We are taping a very fun sketch this week with one returning after hours performer someone that's been a veteran and one a-lister newcomer someone that like i how did we get this person how am i gonna sit through it oh you're not allowed to sit (laughs) in the the studio for this um so yes that is happening this week i'm also uh there's a lot going on here in new york there's the new york film festival is going on right now Mm -hmm. new york comic-con is this weekend um so uh, a lot of cool people around, some people that I'm taping for the podcast that you're going to hear in the coming weeks. So uh, I'm excited. I'm busy. I'm exhausted, but I'm excited. Yeah, feel the energy, guys. It's all feel happening. The energy. And Sammy's just excited because she saw Hamilton for a second time. Not what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, think about that. Think about the life she's leading. <laughs> okay. Jerk face. Okay. Anyway, on to happier times, happier <laughs> things. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Happy Sad Confused on iTunes. Give us that, that love that we crave, that we think we deserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell your friends all about it. And, um, and enjoy this conversation with yeah. Mahershala Ali. I have to go. I'm seeing Hamilton tonight. <laughs> Just goes every time. Wait, are you actually working on Hamilton? Are you in Hamilton? I am Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news. Uh, he, it's the words I've never said before on the podcast. Here's Mahershala. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's Mahershala Ali. Hi. Thanks for coming in, man. Thanks for having me. Um, I really appreciate it. I... Uh, I said this to, to others and to, and to friends. I, 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 I was privileged enough to be at the Toronto Film Festival, and I saw, I saw Moonlight. Oh, yeah. And uh, I walked out of that, and I, was, I had this like, sense of, of gratitude for what I'd just seen and mm. happiness of what I'd just seen. And I also felt like it's weird. I don't, I don't know you. This is the first time mm. we were chatting. But I was like I had, I had happiness for you. I was like this mm. guy who I've seen in, in other roles. He just found he found the right role, and this oh, is this wow. is something that deserves recognition. And I think Thank we're going to be talking about for a while. So Thank you. I know kind of the run is just beginning here, yeah, um, but uh, but congratulations! Thank man. you so much. Uh, not to mention Luke Cage. We're going to cover it all today, <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. um, which, uh, as you know, I'm I'm, uh, I'm digging mm-hmm. four episodes in, and mm-hmm. I'm excited to finish it up. But but first, let's let's talk about something like Moonlight, which yeah. the audience maybe at, at at hand doesn't really know much about yet. Right, they're about to. Um, can you give a sense of just sort of like your interaction with the material and, and give a sense to the audience like what, what this is about and what's make, what makes it special for you and you think for the mm-hmm. audience at large? I think when people walk away from this film, um, it's it's really hard not to relate to Chiron, who plays Little, who we see in three, three separate chapters um, throughout the course of this film. And the reason I say it's hard not to relate to him is I think that there's a period of time when and for everyone it's not during childhood, but where you feel like you're one of the others, 
when you're outside of the tribe, where you don't quite fit in, um, where you're having to work a little bit too hard, where you become something other than who you truly are in order to be accepted. Right. Or maybe you're borderline being persecuted in some some capacity. Um, so I think what drew me to the drew me to the piece is is just that real sense of of kind of being one who wasn't I never totally felt like I was in the club mm-hmm. and it wasn't until I and in part why I really appreciated college and I started finding the arts and and connecting to my own identity through through writing and starting to act it gave me so much confidence that at a certain point I didn't really care right but during that period where I where I cared and I was defined by really defined by what other people thought of me and I think it's always a battle I don't think you ever really fully figure that out right. but it 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 had it had it had too much importance in, in in a certain way and that's not to make any comment on on Chiron or little or people who are in um, at a place in their life where they're the other and just to say kind of buck up you'll be okay right. own, own your own space but um I definitely related to him in that I felt in my own way a little bit like him or a lot like him in in some ways, but without you take out the persecution like sure. i didn't I didn't experience that to any degree but yeah I mean as you say it is it's I think that's what makes the material so powerful for like you know again this is takes place in Miami this is a, a young African American kid who who happens to be gay and that and that's sort of the reason why he feels a little bit out of place and in mm-hmm. the community he's in that's not necessarily the accepted quote unquote norm or right. whatever and I think that's the triumph of the film as you say that it is it's going to be um, very relatable for all of us because as you say we're, we're all kind of like on that journey to like all we want is mm-hmm. is to feel safe and loved mm-hmm. and comfort in our lives right and um, and supported yeah and to find a community and and I think this is a film that, you know, it's going to be written about a lot. It's already been written about a bit because it, it does shine a light on, I mean, you know, I can't speak with any expertise this, but mm. in the African-American community, mm. it's like they're not stories really about mm-hmm. gay men. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't recall seeing one in film. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I, just, I guess I'm just curious, growing up for yourself, did you, did, did, was there a sense like within your community and openness to homosexuality was hmm. it was it something talked about um look i have i had family and and friends that 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 is their experience in terms of as far as uh identifying as homosexual you know and so i think in my own family it was something that was was both talked about and not talked about mm. you just kind of i i actually really appreciate my family in that uh, folks in my family who were dealing with that or who have dealt with that with their with their sexual identity that people just kind of step back and have given them the space to do that right. you know um, so I can really only speak for my family now outside of my family within the black community um, I think that there's other people who've had a very difficult experience, but I've seen it in, but it's in, it's in, it's, that's just America though, too. I, I, 
maybe it's maybe it's 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 more um, egregious maybe in the black community. I, I really can't say. Sure. Um, but I just feel like that people are are persecuted for, and it's not to take anything away from the homosexual experience, but I think if people can f- find a way to work that energy out on you, people tend to get persecuted. Sure. And and but people who are gay have a very unique experience in in their persecution for sure and i've seen it in the black community and outside of the black community how many times in your career and you you know you've been working for a mm-hmm. bit have you have you gotten a script like this where you where you've seen that mm-hmm. much potential on the page and realized that this is this is an opportunity. This is something that, if all goes according to plan, mm. could be really special. I, I remember I loved reading The Place Beyond the Pines. I loved reading The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Um, and there's a couple of projects that I didn't get to be a part of mm-hmm. that I just thought were fantastic. Um, Baby Driver, I read. Oh, nice. Back a year ago. I thought that that was a great script. We just had know? a Lily James on, on the yeah. podcast. I'm yeah, I don't know how the film would turn out, but that was a terrific script. Well, it's um, Edgar. It's going to be unique, yeah, I'm sure, right? Yeah, so there's other projects sure. that I've read that I just were you know, really kind of blown away by, and they felt really unique. But this script is the first script that shook me to my core mm. when uh, I after finishing it, and where I where I had a real emotional reaction, a visceral reaction in reading these scenes and really connecting to his journey so clearly um, that you couldn't help. It's almost as if you're not human, if you are not affected by what this young man goes through. Totally. And, um, and it just is a film from, from script to screening that reminded me of the power of storytelling and the power of film. When was the... Were you at Telluride? Did, did, yes. you, did you see yeah. it there for the first yeah. time? Uh, I saw a screening. I saw it finished at Telluride yeah. uh, for the first time. But I Barry had shared with us the film. He started doing screenings a, a few months before Telluride, and I saw it with some temp music in it. But basically, I don't feel like he really edited anything. He didn't. He was maybe doing some nip tuck stuff, but, but it was it, there. essentially it was there. So, do you trust your own judgment before like a film festival, or was it was it like you needed kind of the you know, um, them to tell you, oh yeah, my instinct about this was right. Because you, yeah. you can be kind of like, you can have tunnel vision. You can, it's, it's a mm. little bit weird in a small screening room with friends and family or whatever mm. versus starting to expose this to the world outside. Like when did you kind of accept that like, oh yeah, I think Barry did it. We all did it. We yeah. should be really proud of this one. When I, when I saw the, first of all, I was hearing, with this script, it it's always had this story with Moonlight, it always had, if it wasn't a buzz, it had a hum. And I remember being at my agent's office for for a meeting, and then it was already, there was that little hmm, there was the, hey, you gotta read Moonlight. Mm. Have you heard about Moonlight? And it was just kind of popping around the office that day. Right. And I got home and I read it, was blown away by it. I'm a fan of Barry Jenkins, and, um, and funny enough, because I had mentioned Adela Romanski a year before when she was producing this film called Kicks. And I said, man, you know, have you seen this film called Medicine for Melancholy? And we were working on the Kicks together. And we had just really met, honestly. She was like, my best friend directed that movie. And then a year later, I got the offer and she produced this as well, along with a bunch of other great folks, uh, Plan B and A24. But um, 
so I had I had a uh, a relationship with 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 Adela and really wanted to work with Barry. So there was a buzz about it already. Right. And then when I saw the pro before I even got to see the first screening, there was already. Uh, people responding and saying that, hey man, I saw Moonlight. I can't wait for you to see this movie. So when I saw it, it lived up to that for me. Sure. For how those people very humbly shared how they were affected by it. And so I was just hoping going into the festival season that people would respond to the way in which we all responded. But at the same time, these really positive reviews, very kind reviews, they just don't leave out any detail about the movie. So there's some degree of losing the element of surprise. Right. I think it's a great movie to walk into not knowing anything about, and you can really get taken on a journey. But I've just read some reviews where you get every single detail yes. of the film. And so <laughs> we're not going to say so, yeah. how long certain characters are around or whatever, yes. but we're just going to say, yes. So that's the take only the thing journey. I could say. If, take the if, ride. If there were a way to to speak you know highly of the film in that way and not share as much I would have loved but it's also something that hey they, that's what they felt moved to write and I just right. appreciate that it's been positive we haven't given away too much yeah, we? We no, just teased no them it's been positive and, and, and I'm just so grateful but to when be. that spaceship comes down at the end yeah, man, this, I didn't exactly. see it did you see that coming I didn't see that coming I didn't see that coming I didn't know Chiron was going to get abducted <laughs> It's electrified, so you can boogie woogie woogie up a mountain, over creeks, or boogie woogie woogie through a desert, where you get bit by a pit viper. So you boogie woogie woogie back to camp and ask your friends if they'll suck the snake venom out. When they say no, you boogie woogie woogie to the nearest hospital for a dose of anti venom, and boogie woogie woogie your way to a full recovery. The electrified Jeep Wrangler 4xe. Learn more at Jeep.com. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. It's a good time, it would seem to be, Mahershala yeah. Ali. We yeah. were, you know, joking when you walk in. You're a busy guy, but it's it's all for a great cause. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and you know, you're you're about my age. Yeah. You know, we've both been around the block a yeah. little bit, and yeah. um, you know, I would think in the course of an actor's career, you have kind of moments where you're like, oh, this is where it's going to turn. Yeah. This is the moment. Mm. Um, like, how many of those have you had? Mm. And does this? I mean, this must feel different because. You know what you're hearing about Moonlight and Luke Cage and yeah. Priestett of Jones, et cetera. It's 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 all happening. Yeah, I, I guess I would have I would say um, I think I've had expectations of things to be a little bit different. Probably maybe maybe once, maybe twice. Mm -hmm. When I think I, when I booked The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Was that your first film? That was my first feature. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, um, booking that, I kind of felt like, oh, maybe things will will really open up, you sure. know. But the, we we went right into this strike and this this pending the strike or a pending strike, then a strike, and so it just really shifted the industry. And it's probably why we have good television today because you had a lot of films that weren't being made for a almost a year right? because they weren't green lighting stuff. If I remember correctly, they weren't really green lighting films, but television, they'll shoot until they call the strike. Right. right? And so you had actors dropping down from the film world and because they needed jobs. And 
therefore sort of bumping up the quality of some what would be somewhat average television totally. and then it suddenly was okay to do TV uh, within a couple of years and so um, and then I think the second time was probably after I had booked House of Cards or like the Mockingjay kind of period sure um, but it didn't quite my, my journey has been one of of I've just built the house really slowly, Mm -hmm. slower than what I think I would have thought, but at the pace that is probably good for me. Does that make it kind of more satisfying in a way now? Is it is it sweet right now, or is hmm. it like, or do you look back with any kind of regret, or this would have been nice five or ten years ago, or is it sort of like, you know what, I'll everything to its own time, and I'll take it now, and and I I think. I, I think it's all happening in in a way in which that I could probably handle, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, I, there's so many different types of personalities. Um, I think growing up, I was. I think I don't I don't exactly know the word, but I'm a little bit of a of a combination of of a, a introvert and an extrovert. I mm-hmm. think I have my moments right. in in both of those places, and. Um, so just learning how to be out in the world, learning how to to because I always thought of the work. And this is the this is the education of going from going from being someone who's studying acting to someone who is professionally living as an actor. And especially if you go through the kind of the conservatory route, I really just thought acting was between action and cut or when you're on stage or the scene work. And that was always just my focus. That was that's what I was about. I'm from the Bay Area. We like Marshawn Lynch says about that action boss. Like he's it's not shiny. It's just about doing the work. Right. Right. That's it. And everything stems from the work. And I think. And looking at how the larger system works that at a certain point point that doesn't totally behoove you because if you have desires as an artist that you really want to be fulfilled that you need to work out like really working from a place of needing to be creatively fulfilled as an artist you have to participate in a different way than maybe what your personality might naturally want to participate but then eventually once you get and that's just it has to do with comfort levels right. and once you get comfortable I feel like that's like an eloquent way of saying you don't want to be here talking to me not at all <laughs> not at all there was a period there was a period of time where I just would have been too nervous no, to I be here you. to I talk totally, to you, I got you yeah. and so over over the last few years I've worked for worked on projects that warranted a certain degree of publicity and coverage and where my presence was welcomed in a way that I wasn't accustomed to and people who actually wanted to talk to me and ask you questions that were where they obviously invested a little bit of time and so it changed my relationship with speaking about the project as well so um, yeah so that's a roundabout way of saying that 10 years ago, I don't know if I was ready for this side of it. Totally. You know, it's another and, set of skills and it's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's, yeah. And I can only imagine also like, and, the, and then you toss in and you're, you know, I think House of Cards probably contributed to this and I'm right. sure Luke Cage is now uh, contributing to this, just fame to right. whatever degree, you know, you know, you have walking around the streets of New York right, right. now where we're taping this. Right. I can only imagine even in the last week, um, since Luke Cage is out there. It's a different thing. It is, right? <laughs> it's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's been the reaction fr- on the Luke Cage front in terms it, of being in New York or being uh, seeing people? Um, 
it's 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 kind of on all it's it's coming it comes at you in all the ways in which people can have access to you mm. so through social media through and it and it depends on how close you are to people as well so whether it's email texting walking down the street right and it's not a negative thing it's it's just um a, a real bump up in in contact beyond what I'm accustomed to. <laughs> <laughs> so all the, the friends of friends, the high yeah, school acquaintances. Yeah, yeah, I've, got, I've had a few interesting. I literally, <laughs> I got, I got one where uh, someone said, "Hey, man, you're not gonna remember me, but we went to this uh, this church retreat together when we were kids." Blah blah blah. Like I've gotten them <laughs> from. Yes, all interesting, but it's all positive. Yeah. But it's just just it's been a whole range of of things and walking down the street and whatnot. But what's great is that the way Luke Cage is is set up, it's it's a fun show, and you know, and it's it, it it's a villain with a, a bit of a wink, you know. Yes, and and so that ends up and that ends up informing the connection with people on the street. Like their comfort level is is different. The energy is up because the show is a is a Marvel show. It's a superhero show. So they're like, "Hey, man, good to meet you, brother." Like you know, it's yeah. it's all up, and they know you're playing the villain. And yeah, I won't speak anymore about well. And, and the, the more I would I have to say also, I mean, the Marvel Netflix shows in particular are really figuring out the villains. They've yeah. done really well by you right. and Wilson Fisk. Yeah. Um, and, of course, David Tennant is yeah. amazing. Uh, and Jessica Jones. Um, this seems like the kind of character that's kind of delicious to kind mm. of sink your teeth into in terms of the things you get to say and do. And, <laughs> and the... Um, I mean, from the uh, you know set dressings in the yeah. office, it's it's a good, it's a fun world. I would think to inhabit. It is a fun world to inhabit between action and cut. It okay. really is. But afterwards, I I couldn't have prepared myself for how difficult it was to be him for six months. <laughs> I really couldn't. There's collateral damage of getting that guy in your brain for that long. Yeah, yeah. Like I didn't sleep particularly well, and I was a little bit on edge. And at a certain point. I was surprised that I was taking this guy home with me that, that way because you're doing really heightened things for 15 hours of your day, of your day, really, and like crazy stuff, <laughs> you know, the, the way in which he just explodes and reacts to people is so beyond my own personality. But once you walk in those shoes for 16 hours a day four or five days a week and bleeding in them to your Saturdays, you, you, you start like not, there's something about it that bleeds over into your, into your life. And so um, I had to really work on letting that guy go for a minute. Like it, it was, it was a real challenge. Does that, <laughs> does that impact friends and family? Do they call you out on it and be like, it, dude, yeah, you need to leave it, it behind because you're not pleasant to be around right now. It, 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 it does. It, do, <laughs> it, it does. I think my wife would have a little bit to comment on that. Like <laughs> you need to chill and out, bring buddy. Her in. <laughs> <laughs> this is your life, yeah, Marshall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where it's just like your, your, your few is just a little like you might get irritated at, at, at petty stuff yeah. you know that you normally wouldn't respond to but you're kind of wearing inhabiting I believe like there's other actors who might be like oh he's just full of it but I I feel like when you do this work that you gotta you it's this this silent agreement to inhabit another spirit for a period of time and 
So I I always have looked at acting as a sacred thing, you know, not to put too much on it, but I I do I try to respect it as as a sacred art form. There is something craft. a bit supernatural about the whole yeah. thing. I mean, let's th- you know when you think about it, especially yeah. when you're you're doing it for six months on mm-hmm. end. I mm-hmm. mean, half your day, if not two thirds or more, right? You're living someone else's life. You're yeah. stepping in someone else's shoes. That's not yeah. That's not what the rest of us have to do. And there's a study that I I, I couldn't quote the study, but I had read something about how the way your heart rate goes up, the way your your cells respond to to even if you generate fear, that your body in some oh, ways yeah. doesn't know the difference. Totally. So you're putting yourself through all these crazy <laughs> things, right. like take after take after take in a way that is really unnatural. Yep. So there's stress that you that you begin to kind of take on and, yeah. and kind of plant these seeds within yourself. And so it, it it takes time to to release that. It takes conscious effort, at least on my part, where I have to have to kind of get rid of some of these guys. And some of them you mourn. Like Juan was a character that I kind of mourned. Like I, I missed him. You know, I missed working on him. Yeah. Um, and and was sad to sad to rap with that project. The um, was this your first time going up for a quote unquote superhero kind of a thing? Have you gone hmm. through that kind of a silly audition process before? You've had to you know um, shoot a fake gun or a laser gun at somebody, and um, you know I was really really close on, and he's not a superhero, but to me he was a superhero. But I was really close on the A team. Oh no, kidding. years ago, like the B A Baracus role. Yeah, I yeah, Picked yeah. up all this weight, and it was between me and like two other guys, like Fifty Cent and Quentin Rampage Jackson, <laughs> or something like that, and. So I was really close on that project, which, again, feels like a comic for some reason. Um, but I think that was that was the first time that I really dipped into the Marvel world. I'd always wanted to do it as a kid, but I'll always kind of imagined being on the other side, being one of the heroes. The good guy, yeah. Right, yeah. right. Um, but as an actor, you grow to really appreciate the space that, a villain has <laughs> like yeah. they they get to kind of have all the fun and and what marvel has done a wonderful job of is is really working to make those guys human and give you giving you the backstory or giving you these moments of Vincent D'Onofrio, man, that guy. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, it's frankly true, and to call a, I wouldn't call Juan a, a, yeah. a villain, but he's a, he is similar in that he's a complex, flawed guy mm-hmm. um, who has some very redeeming characteristics, yeah. too. And, and I think if there is a common denominator of the two of these characters mm-hmm. is, is when they're not on screen, you want to see them back. Yeah. Oh, and that's, wow. and that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is, that is cool. Um, so I guess talk to me a little bit about so th- th- this show Luke Cage is I, I would think like when you're in you know in the trenches making mm-hmm. it you're maybe not talking about the societal social relevance of it like you're right. doing the work but right. I mean it can't be um, it should be said that we're living in a time that you know, 20 years ago to 30 years ago we wouldn't have had for sure a virtually all black cast right. in a superhero show right. on television and that's that's a moment that's a significant moment for sure is did that hit you when the material came your way does it hit you more now in kind of the analysis of, of critics and fans or, or what well i had been as soon as i don't know maybe it was two three years ago that uh that there was a something came out in the trades about them doing Luke Cage and like my ears perked up and just was curious just about the project and what that meant and like wow they're doing something with 
a black superhero. So, of course, like, that's interesting to me. Um, and then when it kind of came around and I was offered the part that I was right for and got to be a part of this project um, and seeing how it was cast and how black-centric this project was going to be, and the fact that you place it in Harlem, which is uh, traditional, traditionally a black neighborhood, I looked at it as an opportunity similar to Moonlight, uh, opportunity in in telling the stories of the people that come from there. See, diversity, I don't think, if you're telling a story about some really small town off in South Carolina or Alabama or what have you, and if every character in there is white, then so be it. Like that's I don't have I don't feel like you have to throw in the black gas ta- uh, gas station right. attendant just for the sake of diversity. Yeah, be true to the setting and the story. Right, and, yeah. right. So if race is is really a necessary, if it's part of the, if it's a driving point in the story in some degree, then then to me it's cool if if the cast is white or Latino or Asian, you know. But um, anyway, I think in shooting the project and being a part of the project. Uh, I think for as an African American, you just get excited that you that your story is being told. That's something that reflects your experience is being told, and I think it's kind of starts and ends there. Um, and and when in seeing the final prod, product as well, like you know, I get messages from people like, oh man, like telling I can tell that they're really proud and excited that this exists because they feel represented. They yes. feel like they exist now. And growing up, especially in the superhero world and in the fantasy world, which drives me crazy, you don't see people of color in that in those worlds. So in the future, in the past, or in these in these worlds where there's these people with abilities, like you just don't see stories that have people of color who are leading the charge as well, yes. you know, for 10% of those projects even, you know, which would be somewhat of a close reflection of, you know, of the the diverse world that yeah. we live in, yeah. right? Um, so I, th- I think that they, the, you can't um, uh, overstate how important uh, these these projects are um, because look for me as a kid I remember when Lando Calrissian was in Star Wars and what that meant to me just seeing him I least felt like I was included and when you're with other six year old or four year old kids or whatever playing Star Wars after you went and saw the movie yep. like you want to just feel like you're part of the story and it wasn't you know his quote unquote blackness or whatever right. was not a part of the story. the story. He just, just happened to be the coolest the man present. in the galaxy that yeah. you don't want to cross. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and he can sell you some, uh, what, yeah. Colt 45 on the yes. side too. Yes. <laughs> yes. This might be a record, I think, for, for your, I don't want to speak for you, but for mm-hmm. your interviews in terms of, it might have taken what we're, I don't know what how long into it we are, but mm-hmm. we haven't talked about the derivation of your name, which oh, is, <laughs> which yeah. is, which is, you're the first Mahershala on Happy Second Fused, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. So what, what is that? Can you tell me a little bit about so sort of the, yeah. My birth name is, it, it's Hebrew, it's Mahershala Hashbaz, and it's the longest word in the Bible. Um, it means, it means divine restoration. It's in the Old Testament, Isaiah eight, uh, one and three. My mom had a dream about the name before I was born. And um, long story short, 
uh, I think told my dad about it and they were really young at the time, <laughs> but I don't think he was totally on board at first, uh, as crazy and out there as my father was. But I, I uh, so they were going to name me like Christian Devon or something like oh. that. And I'm glad I'm glad I got my Herschel hash prize. <laughs> I, so I've I've so growing up, people called me Herschel. Got it. It's that's only the hometown folks, you know, um, and and family. And then later on. I took on more of the name, and and there was a certain point where I was going by my full name professionally. Yeah, I noticed that up until yeah, the, I, the film work. Yeah, I, feel I got like, out right? of school up until Place Beyond the Pines. Right, right. Um, and I th- I think what it was in part, I just didn't feel like my opportunities were growing. Did, did anyone industry wise ever have that conversation with no, you? No, never, of like- never. No, my reps, everyone was totally supportive. But I, f- I started having dreams about shortening shortening my name, and it was, and I would wake up and go, I'm not, sh- I'm not shortening my name again. Like I'm not doing it. And, um, but there was this thing that popped up with Place Beyond the Pines, and my reps had approached me and said, hey. For um, for the poster, you know, and they they have a little little border at the bottom that says starring Ryan Gosling. Um, they said, you know, they want to put uh, M Ali so that it can actually fit. Otherwise, you know, you may not be able to be on the poster or whatever. And um, I said, well, you know what, I'm I've come to terms basically with like, give me a second, but I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna shorten my name. Like I'm gonna go by Mahershala because no one in my family calls me Mahershala Hashbaz. Um, I would never was I never grew up being called that, but that is my name, sure. you know. And I, so it was just more of an attempt or something I needed to do for a period of t- period of time in a time in which you're 26 years old and you are defining for yourself back to identity who you are, making statements and getting a feel for does that feel right after you make this really strong statement? And it did feel right. It felt right for a period of years, but then it felt like you know what. These couple of extra syllables can will, can potentially be hindering you having the fullest experience you can have as an actor. Right. And what do you value more? Like what is more of a, an expression of your identity for yourself, your name or your your ability to create and, and impact people? And your name could potentially be getting in the way of you impacting people. Right. So why don't you go by the name that people call you or family? So I did. Well, I mean, if you're doing it on your own terms, right, too, right. that's the important thing. Yes. As long as it's not, you know, the, the, the evil Hollywood mm-hmm. cabal mm-hmm. saying, can you go by yeah, Marty no. Alley? Yeah, yeah, no, that, that never happened. <laughs> Martin? Yeah. Um, you're, you know, the, I, I would think right now, I mean, are you already noticing in terms of uh, different kind of opportunities? The the word on the street is that you're going to mm-hmm. be in this Robert Rodriguez film, yeah. Elite about Battle Angel, which is yes. a project that I've been I following for years. I just received the non-disclosure agreement like, email <laughs> on my way here. I kid you not. So, <laughs> Oh, no. Have you signed it yet? No. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> I literally got that on my way here. So I'm like, all right, shut up about that. <laughs> so, uh, um, well, can you say we, what's exciting about that? I mean, I know a bit of that, but I mean, I've talked to James Cameron years yeah. ago. About this project, it was his one of his pet projects. Rodriguez mm. is now directing it. Yeah. It's a, a cool cast coming together. I mean, Robert Rodriguez, that source material, that's going to yeah. be just exciting. Yeah, he's he's excited, and so anytime you work with a director that is excited about the material, it excites you. He's excited about the character, um, and I am too. You know, um, it's it's I, I'm just trying to I'm going to 
really try to do my work to make him unique and really connect to that guy and just do my job. I want to do my job and, and trust that everyone else will do their job. And I hope we make something great for the genre, yeah. you know, and it's as simple as that. Just taking each project, taking one at a time. Is this know? like a, a mo- mocap kind of a thing? A mocap. Screen. Yeah, like are you doing like the whole green suit kind of thing? Ball oh, thing? Because I know um, he does a lot of that in Austin, a lot of that kind of thing. You know, I don't think... Uh, I don't. I won't have any. I shouldn't have any of that. Okay. I don't think. Okay. Um, but some other people, I'm sure, will have to do that. Yeah. I'm positive, actually, would have to do that. Right. Well, but, I, I know Robert likes to push. Right. The Are you being slick though? I can tell you're trying to get. <laughs> he's working it out, right? What he's trying to get about? me to say something I that I shouldn't be saying. You notice I wait way he's into like, the so, conversation. So, so. When you when you die in this one, what is, <laughs> no. is it? Is it at the hands of? <laughs> I don't lead off with the juicy stuff. I wait. I love. I wait. Can we run through a couple of the filmmakers you mentioned? Because, mm. uh, um, I mean, yes, you, you d- did a bunch of uh, television, but, you know, I'm in particular, and House of Cards I'm yeah. a, a big fan of, but I, I do want to talk about the filmmakers, and, and yeah. one of them connects to House of Cards. Of course, David Fincher, you yeah. mentioned, was the first film you were in, uh, Benjamin Button. Um, I mean, that's quite a first filmmaker to work with. Yeah. I've had many conversations with many actors that have worked with him, and he's, you know, of course, notorious as a perfectionist mm-hmm. and the infamous, you know, 30, 40, 3,000 mm-hmm. takes. Um, in a way, was that a kind of a great rite of passage to have on the first go-round with someone like Fincher? Amazing. Amazing. And, look, he doesn't get along with everybody, but I think David really liked me. So it made it easy, you know, like it just and it, it, he for whatever reason he took to me and he was he's always been really kind to me. And um, you have to key into that kind of dark sense of humor he, that raw. He's also the smartest guy in the room, like like a James Cameron. He's like one of those guys that just like that's knows what I was going to say. Here's the thing is he can do everyone's job yep. better than they can do their job. And they everyone kind of knows it. He just can't possibly do everyone's job <laughs> right. at, at one time, you know, yeah. but I've been with him and literally came knocked on the drawer knock knocked on the door uh to my trailer and this was for house of cards it was it was for the pilot and i had my fitting it, it looked good to me I, I thought it was cool and i'm a pretty detail oriented person but david is another level like this brother knocked on my door in the trailer he looked he was breaking down my suit within like 5 minutes the whole suit was torn apart. They came in and split open the shoulder. They were raising the button. Um, there, there was, I didn't even realize you could do all that to a suit, but by the time he got done with it, you know, he got Remy's suit right and, and that look right. But he's a genius, man. Um, uh, it's really hard to describe. It's really one of those things that you would just have to be in the presence of to see how detail-oriented he is, how... How much he 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 demands a lot of the people around him because he demands a lot of himself. So what what do you? I mean, if there are takeaways from that from an acting perspective, is it is it precision? Is it is it just knowing you have to be on your game and you can't mm-hmm. walk on set? Like you, you obviously need to be off book, but you mm-hmm. also need to like just just be ready for anything or just be ready for repetition or what? I mean, what is the? I I think it's about challenging one's capacity to focus. Right. And so some people are real loose about it and kind of find it on the day and just approach it. He's not like that. You got to come in and from take ready one, to like, work yeah. and you discover he's trying to line. It's, it's almost like he's 
putting a camera into yeah, focus. He's calibrating and it you have to listen and yep. understand what he needs you to do in order to uh, to completely uh, recreate the vision that he has in his mind yep. of, of of the film he's trying to make. And so you got you have to listen and be ready to work. And he hones in and he's trying to get it as close to perfect as possible. And the problem is he believes in perfection. And um, and so it's 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 a it's a wonderful, beautiful marathon working with him. And it's so interesting that kind of the other one of the other filmmakers you've mentioned as a rewarding piece of material is someone like C in France, who is the opposite, it, literally, right? I mean, just like so loose and finding uh, creating an environment where you can find your 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 own path, right? He's amazing too. I tell you, like some people know this. I don't know. Maybe it's a common story, but Ryan and uh, Michelle when they were doing uh, Blue Valentine. Yeah. You know, they kind of like lived together right. during a period of time during the day, like for rehearsal. So when I was working on Place Beyond the Pines, a couple things about this movie, which make Derek the friggin' man. Like this <laughs> brother is brilliant, just just different. Um, so we got to design portions of the house. So he asked uh, Ava and I, like, what do you want in your house? So I had like this, these records and a Nintendo because this is like the 90s or whatever. He asked me what kind of truck I wanted. I wanted a, a Ford Bronco because of what was going on in that time. All these details they built in that are in the movie. But then there's a whole room that, uh, that Kofi had that you never, never even see. saw. <laughs> you never even saw the room totally built out. Like totally built out, and and with uh, kind of a manifestation of what Kofi became and sure. how he saw himself. So the record collection, this whole detailed room, in case he, maybe we walked into the room. And the other thing, one day, um, I'm, I'm, we're on set, and and Derek's like, yeah, so so uh, what's Kofi doing tomorrow? And I was like, why is he calling me Kofi? I said. Um, it was in the middle of the week too, so it wasn't a weekend. So technically, you're kind of working. Yeah, but so I was question. off. The, <laughs> but I was off the schedule that day. Uh -huh. And he goes, "So what's Kofi doing tomorrow?" And I was like, "Um, I don't know. Probably just taking it easy. We're in Schenectady, New York, mind you. Like, there's, <laughs> there's not a lot of like, options. no disrespect, but, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you know, it's yeah. there's not a lot to do up there. <laughs> and um, he goes, "I don't know. I think Kofi's probably gonna go mow his lawn tomorrow." So my homework was to, and he was dead up serious. I went up to the house where we shot and mowed the lawn <laughs> because that's what Kofi would do. Maybe just because it was a low budget film, he was yeah. trying to get some help. <laughs> yes, yes. But I gotta say, it helped. Like he would do things like that. Yeah. And and last thing I would say about working with him is he told me that if you do what's on my page, which on the page, I will be bored. So. When you work with Derek, at least what I found we were doing was almost improving for like four or five takes, but using the script as a skeleton. And then maybe he'd have you go back to exactly what he wrote, and then you would go back to improving, and then you'd find that you lock in to what was actually necessary to 
to get the scene to lift it off 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 the page sure and um and that would be the scene so you would end end up you 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 would end up finding the writing of the scene by improving and then you would just lock in and kind of keep those moments and then he would cover the scene like that so does that like excite you or kind of frighten you as an actor to kind of like terrifies me that well, terrifies well, me well that I, I, yes I understand but I, I guess what I'm, I'm getting at is like on the next gig for someone like Rodriguez or yeah. whoever you're going to work with next um, is it helpful for, for you to know what their process is before you get on set on that first day or mm. is it sort of like because I mean you could get on set that first day not having worked with them having maybe one phone conversation who knows right. and then be like oh shit this guy works that way like I wasn't right. like I need to recalibrate I'm not yeah. I'm not there you know, I, I, I can't speak for Or can for you kind other, of roll with any kind I, of... I can't speak for other actors, but I grew up, I came from the sports world. So you had different cultures. You had to play with different people. You always had to be a team player. And so I think I'm malleable. I think yeah. I, I would, if I prided myself on anything, I think I would pride myself on on being able to adjust and, and try to meet people ha- halfway and work with them. Right. Um, and just kind of listen for for what it is they need but at the same time you have to be able to what I learned in this business that there there is a point where you have to be able to speak up for yourself and really communicate what it is that you need to and find and find that place that 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 happy medium you know right. if if what they want is is a little bit too difficult for you to to kind of live up to in sure. some way you know um, or maybe it's so different from how you envision the character that you guys could you know I've been fortunate. I've all, pretty much have always gotten along with the directors I've worked with. Um, I would say always, actually. Um, but um, well, I guess the yeah. most important thing, like, and I hear this from many actors, is is you know the death of a film. I feel like is when you realize you're not making the same film mm-hmm. as the director, right? Or if actors are not in the same world, exactly. Sometimes you'll see that they're in different movies. And Wait, I think this is a, a comedy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. Yes. Yes. Uh, I guess somewhere somewhere in between on the spectrum of mm. C in France and Fincher is, is someone like Francis Lawrence, who I think of as like he's like the mm. sweetest, most soft spoken guy, yet can kind of command an army. Yeah. He. I mean, you got to think. Anytime I think of Francis, unfortunately, I think about when we lost Philip Seymour Hoffman right. and how he handled that situation. And going, but even just going into uh, Mockingjay, uh, Francis, like you got to think about who's on that movie, like Philip Seymour Hoffman, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Julianne Moore, Jeffrey Wright, Woody Harrelson. It goes Woody on and Harrison, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stanley Tucci. Like you go on and yeah, on. Eighth and on the call sheet is an Oscar winner. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. To see him juggle those personalities and when one person is having issues with the scene and kind of having to shorten the day to, to work on on this scene to get it right, um, like that was amazing to witness. But then again, like we really dealt with some crazy weather stuff. Atlanta had froze over while we were working at, working on that project. So I've never been a part of a project that had to take an insurance day. We had three insurance days. So three days off. Talk about millions of dollars, three days off in a really short period of time because of between the weather and and just the loss of yeah. of, of Philip and yeah, it was that was a tough time. And the reason I mention that is because the way he handled it was with so much respect and um, 
and grace and just just a wonderful leader. Like I really enjoyed my time uh, with Francis and just a great guy, like sweet guy and straight shooter, but it's really, really great guy. Are you the kind of actor or person that has kind of like whatever, a, a list of filmmakers or a list of, or whatever, a bucket mm. list of the kind of things, kind of environments you want to be in as an mm. actor. I mean, again, you know, you're in this great spot where I would think you're going to have more choice than ever, hopefully. Yeah. And you're getting some, hopefully the quality of scripts is getting better and the opportunities sure. are growing. So now is kind of the exciting and also scary part, I would think. Right, right. There's there's a lot of filmmakers that I would love to, to work with and, and actors as well because it's just people. I love being inspired. I <clears throat> I love discovering something. I love being being hipped to someone, whether it be music or film or, or television. But, you know, I think Steve McQueen is amazing. Uh, uh, we were talking today about some of these folks. We literally were having this conversation today. Uh, Christopher Nolan, Ava DuVernay. Um, uh, gosh, I could just kind of go down the it's line. There's list. so many people. There's a lot like, of good people. There's, there's a lot of like wonderful, wonderful directors. Um, I had the, the opportunity to have a conversation with Spike Lee the other day, and I, I think, <laughs> you know, my... <laughs> it was just interesting having that conversation. Is that an out-of-body kind of experience? Because, yeah, again, we're about the same age and you grew up to yeah, the right thing. And was growing like... up, watching his work <laughs> yeah. and and the the careers that he launched and how he really just left his imprint on on how I I see film and and see the possibilities in film. But also too, I would as much as I would love to work with all these wonderful directors, I almost want to explore with some of the directors I've already worked with as well because those go a little those deeper and go yeah. a little bit deeper yeah. and 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 find new stories with them. I would give damn near anything to work with Barry Jenkins again. I could kid you not. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, David. Um, and You'll take yeah. that phone call from Mr. Yeah, Fincher? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> Whatever we, he puts you through, it's we, worth it, right? We were, he, I, I remember there was, there was a project that he was doing that I will not name, but he, I was up for uh, one of the leads in this project. It was a big project, and it was that's when I thought it was gonna happen. <laughs> it was it was like 2011, 2012, and it was a it would have been a big project. I was think this it was, a project that went or didn't go? It didn't go. Okay. It didn't go. I th- I think <laughs> yeah, it didn't go. Um, <laughs> wait, um, wait, no, I'm putting my thinking yeah, cap. 20,000 yeah. Leagues Under the Sea? Was um, it, was the, it the Girl not, with the Dragon Tattoo 2? Um, yeah, oh. the, the project. You'll tell me off. I, off yeah, I, I'll tell you off. I'll tell you off. off <laughs> I off need air. to know Marshall. Yeah, yeah, but that's the one that I, I thought was going to happen. So I would love to work with David yeah. again because he's, he's brilliant. Um, he is, and I, and uh, as is, uh, you know, the, the performances we've talked about today. I'm, 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 a, I'm a tremendous fan of yours. And as I said, like it's, it's really, uh, you know, I, I've had a lot of most of the actors I have in here. I, I've, I've talked to many times, mm. and that's always fun. But it's also fun to kind of make a connection with somebody that's at a pivotal moment in their mm. career. And I, I feel like privileged to be talking to you at this time. And I hope you're enjoying this busy I'm, time. I am enjoying this time, Good. but I'm enjoying getting to have, have time to talk to folks like you where you just get to get to have a conversation opposed to the quick bits of right. you know it's, it's a different that's a different experience and so I enjoy getting to really connect with folks because that's just more of my personality anyway good stuff man uh, congratulations and uh, hopefully we'll see each other on the uh, the silly awards circuit yeah, this thank season you. thank you brother I appreciate congrats, it congrats man alright
That's this week's episode of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to our show on iTunes, and we'll see you guys here next week. This episode of Happy, Sad, Confused was produced by Michael Catano, Mukta Mohan, and Kasia Mihailovic for the MTV Podcast Network. Find us on Twitter or like us on Facebook at MTV Podcasts. You can subscribe to Happy, Sad, Confused and other MTV podcasts on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you do that kind of thing.